GPS powered by Seat. Welcome once more to Line Noise and welcome to yet another very special guest who we are very pleased to have uh, calling us from just down the road in Girona actually. Um, it is none other than Fernando Corona, a.k.a. Murkoff. Uh, as ever, it was a call by Zoom. Uh, so, you know, the quality is is variable, but um, it was a very interesting chat. So do tune in. Uh, so, Fernando, you are uh, in Girona, just down the road um, from us in, in Barcelona. Is there much in the way of electronic music there? Honestly, I have no idea. I live in a, in a very small uh, village outside of Girona, about uh, 20 minutes. It's called Selra. And, uh, and basically, I spend the time I, I'm at home uh, on the studio, at the studio, and I, and I hardly go out. I have no idea what's the, the scene like. So I know a few people, but uh, it's not a good, uh, a proper reflection of how things really are. I'm sure it's not, it has nothing to do with uh, with Barcelona, though. Because <laughs> you were in Barcelona for many years, right? That's right, yeah. I think uh, nine years in total, from 2005 to, yeah, to 2014, 15, something like that. Yeah, hmm. quite a long time. I, I'm interested, you said that you sort of go to your studio and, and work and don't see many people. Is that the way you work? you work best? Because obviously, you know, you've collaborated with a lot of people as, as well. Yeah, yeah, it's just, that's more or less my, my dynamic. Before the, the pandemic, I, well, I was traveling a lot and doing collaborations with other people, uh, but hardly ever at my, at my place, at my studio. I usually work, when I do collaborations, I work on, on at, with the other artist's uh, place for some reason. Um, I guess because I travel and then I can meet them up and it's easier for me to, to just uh, meet with them at their place. But in my, my home studio, I, I hardly had anyone here, actually. Just a couple of uh, guests, but uh, yeah, and that's it. But the fact that I don't socialize much, it has to do more with my personality than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, yeah, also influences the fact that here in it's a small village, we're in the side of the forest, it's very quiet. There's mostly elderly people here. I mean, that has to do uh, a lot. I mean, it's, it's nothing... Uh, compared to how my social life was when I was in, in, in Barcelona, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm very interested in this because I, I know Girona a bit and I know some sort of small villages uh, yeah. sort of nearish to there. Um, mm-hmm. Do you find that environment is reflected in, in your music? Well, I guess everything gets, gets, um, gets reflected somehow, directly or indirectly. Here, for sure, I can focus a lot more on, on the music uh, because of the uh, the nature of the environment. It's very quiet and uh, yeah, that's basically it. We were looking for a place for a long time that I could have a proper studio. It's quiet and it's a bit more, a bit uh, bigger. And uh, and so we found it and here I, I, I don't know if I have produced more music than in other situations. Like, uh, for example, in Barcelona, I always, I always had a, a little room, a tiny room with monitors and everything crammed up there, and uh, always hearing noises from the from, no, from the neighbors upstairs or downstairs. And uh, we tend we tend to to also 
um, live on, on busy streets as well. So there was always some kind of noise involved. But you know, when you do what you love, you find the, the way to, to work. No? So I don't know if I have produced more or less than in, when I was in Barcelona, but for sure I'm way, way more comfortable here. Because basically when, when you're not making um, the music that, that you make for, for release, you do um, sort of production music, right? You do um, soundtracks and things like that. Yes, I've done a few soundtracks. Uh, the last one, not, not so many as, as I could. It's, uh, it's a difficult, it's, for me, it's a bit difficult. I don't, I, don't uh, I mean, it has to be the proper, the, the, the ideal project. I have to have a good, uh, like with anything, you have to have a good relation with the with the other creator. In this case, a director, a film director, and uh, and also uh, you have to feel close to the to the work, no? that you that, that you can uh, contribute in a, in a in a positive manner. And it's not always the case. Uh, I've, I've I've turned down some uh, productions for for film um, just because it's. It, it didn't, it didn't, you know, call to me. It didn't really inspire, or, or I didn't feel I could, I could really work in a comfortable, you know. Yeah. Um, so I just try to to be very choosy if if I can, you know. It's it's also a, a work that uh, that um, I need to practice my English. <laughs> so thank Good. you for that. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, it's just a, a. That's why I like to work with uh, with uh, dancers, with dance choreographies, with, um, for example, with with Elias, with the Elias Dance Company, because it's there's much more freedom there. It's more of an exploratory exploratory endeavor than than anything else with uh, with uh, with dance, modern dance. As with um, with film or TV, it's it's something that is the the limits are more strict. You know, you have to satisfy the producers, the directors, the, the music supervisor, the targeted audience. So you have to have all these elements in your head when, when composing. Um, not not that I do, but they are they they are there. You no, know, you have to really uh, narrow your, your your scope. And also, there's the thing about um, interpreting a scene. You know, sometimes the director, well, most of the time, the director and the director has a very clear idea of how the scene. How he wants to 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 express a certain scene, and um, and sometimes it doesn't coincide with how I feel that that the, the scene. I, I can, for me, maybe a scene is funny, and for the director it's a bit uh, serious, and then we have a problem. <laughs> so it's I'm talking about something extreme, no? But uh, it's 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 a common thing that has happened to me when when I try to approach. Um, uh, music making so it has to be a proper not a proper but um, a project that i feel close to and i feel i can contribute in a positive manner and that i feel certain affinity with the director and, and the rest of the of the team the last one i did was with uh with an italian an italian production is for for tv for sky it was it's called il miracolo the miracle and uh it was Although, although it was a big production, it was the process was quite um, uh, quite smooth for for being what it what it was. So that was a nice experience. Of course, it's always you know deadlines and 
things, outside things that, that make it a bit stressful, but it's, it's, I think it's part of the job. And, but given all those things, it was a, it was a nice experience. And, but definitely prefer to, to work on things that have uh, more freedom and are more ex- experimental and, and uh, adventurous, like modern dance, for example. Well, you mentioned um, the earlier sessions, which is the new album, um, which uh, came about. Uh, well, uh, Alias um, is a Geneva-based dance company. Um, working with them, how, how on earth does that work? Do you make the music and then they 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 dance to it, or do they tell you kind of what they want, or do you watch them dance and then make music? How how does it work? Well, um, yeah, um, Alias, the dance company, uh, um, directed by Guillermo Botello. And um, yeah, he, um, he, has, he had been using my music for, for quite some time before we got in touch uh, for his past uh, choreographies. So I guess for him, it was, it was natural to, to go the extra step and, and contact me to see if we, if we could work together. And that's how I, how I, I knew of them. And and having some background, well, my my, my wife, she was a, a dancer back wow. in the in the in the nineties, and we used to attend a lot of um, what she used to, and I used to you know tag along, ride along with her to go to dance festivals. So I got really into it, and and I really loved the uh, the, the art form. So it was exciting when I got this uh, mail from from Guillermo, uh, from Elias. And seeing the, the work that he did previously, I, I instantly fell in love with 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 his work. So yeah, uh, we got together and we worked for the first time on a choreography that he did for a for the. Um, um, it's a school of of for dancers in in Geneva. I forget the name right now, but it's it's uh, it's it's a it's a dance company from the school, from a, from a dance school in Geneva. And he was invited to do a, a, a choreography for them. So it was all young dancers. Um, and so we, that's, that was our first, uh, it was called Documento, that's, that, that I remember. And um, I loved it, I loved it. And I started working with him from, um, he, he had the choreography almost, almost done, if not done entirely when, when we got in touch. So I, the music could not influence very much, you know, what, uh, what the, the the, da- the the content of the of the dance, um, if you know what I mean. Um, yes. So for this since for this first for this first uh, encounter, yeah, it was pretty much finished finished. But uh, it was uh, I, I did it. I worked the whole one hour or maybe a bit less of the music in in uh, in a couple of weeks, which for me is 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 quite uh, impressive. It's quite fast, so I tend to work very slowly. So, and then afterwards, we were very happy with the, the results, both of us, and with the experience. So we decided to work again together for his, his next uh, choreography, now with his, with his own company, Alias. And that was in 2015 or 16, I can't remember right now. Uh, but it was called Antes, or before. And yeah, and, and for that, occasion then we 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 started working together um, from the very beginning you know from from the conceptual idea from the from the first premise um, we got together and he talked to me about his ideas and everything before he even uh, choreographed anything so 
so I was involved from the, from the beginning. We met in Geneva and then I came back to my studio and we started, you know, ping-ponging uh, music from my side. And then he sent short video clips that he was uh, of his company, you know, trying out some some uh, some movements, some some choreographies. And that's how we, we worked since then. I think we worked on four choreographies, including the first one with the students. It was Documento, Antes, Contremonde, and then uh, the last one was Normal. And we're, we are talking about the, our next one, but uh, with the whole pandemic, things are a bit out of whack at the moment. So we'll see how that goes. Um, from my side, I'm more than happy to, to work at the end of the day. So I, I really love the, the experience. It's a, it's a very nice medium. And when, when you're exchanging ideas, does he ever say, look, no, we, we, we can't dance to that? Or it, does he always sort of find a way to respond to the music? Yeah, of course. There's there's material that doesn't work. It's it's not all um, it's not all perfect, but uh, it's very close to to being perfect, you know. Because because um, there's a lot of space for exploration. That's the that's the main thing. There's a lot of space. He has he has some ideas, and, and of course the, the choreography kind of tells you where to go and what territories are are good to explore on but uh but still there's a lot of freedom and of course by experimenting um you you know you throw many things around and some things are a hit some some things are a miss but uh it's but i'm not afraid of, of showing him very crazy ideas you know and, and that doesn't happen in the in the in the well it rarely happens not, not that it doesn't happen you know and i don't never, i don't like to say never but uh, it rarely happens in other in other other mediums like TV or cinema. It's more difficult. Um, the one song released so far from the album is "Underwater Lament." Um, right, it's a very beautiful piece of work. What can you tell us about about the song? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, well, that's for the um, for the choreography called uh, "Contramonde," which is a. Uh, um, if I remember correctly, um, Guilherme, the, the, the director of the company, was telling me that he was very much influenced on, a, on an ayahuasca trip that he did. And so he wanted to explore like the, the shadow world or the, uh, the unseen world or the unseen but influential parts of life. And so the, the work came out to be uh, uh, an experiment on light and shadow with the dancers. So it was this duality that was present all the time, light, light and shadow. So I, I, I used that also as a, as a premise for the work I was doing. And in particular for, for Underwater Lament. <coughs> Sorry. Um, well, I, I never, con I never, rationalize too much the, the music I do. I just work on, on instinct and if it feels good, it feels good. And and I don't really pay too much attention or, or, or on why it's good or what's the intellectual process behind it. But at the end, I do like to sometimes to to, to explore the um, what meaning could the, can the music have? And for me, it sounds a bit like uh, 
well, the, the name kind of hints at it. It's an underwater lament. It's a bit of some underwater voices. It can be it can be from the actual ocean or from the subconscious trying to 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 come up on top of the of the of the rhythmic, almost mechanistic, you know, um, beat that, that is going on. So it's 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 it's. Oh, I try to play with these two two contrasting elements. We have this really mechanistic and, and precise, to a certain degree, rhythm section that is repeating and, and almost uh, like a machine. And on 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 the uh, and on the background, you have these wave-like sounds that come and go in a much much slower and, and way more organic uh, manner. So there are these two aspects of it of, of um, um, these two contradicting in a way uh, contradicting or, or not contradicting but um, um, very different I, I guess very different um, things or beings existing in a in a single space I'm, I'm getting tongue twisted here I, I, like I told you I'm, I don't really rationalize the things I do but uh, for the work for the dance it worked wonderful so that's that what that's what counted and uh, we named it like this. Actually, it had another name before that, and uh, but uh, it was not very. Uh, uh, it, it, it lacked something, so we changed it. I, I changed it to to underwater lament because it, it had this this, uh, this I had this sensation with it that there was some creature lamenting something from the underground, from the underwater, or from the subconscious. There's this like whale sound that comes and goes on, on the track, and for me that kind of represents that. It's kind of, and also, um, um, the name also came about recently because I was, I'm, I'm, it seems I'm gonna be starting working on a project that deals with the uh, the impact on 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 the noise that humans generate, uh, how the the sounds that that humans generate. Um, how it is affecting the uh, the uh, the um, the animal in, in, in the animal kingdom. Uh, I mean the uh, the underwater la vida marina. <laughs> trying to to look for the word yeah, la vida yeah. marina, marine life, marine, marine life. life. Yeah, and how it affects marine life. So it also came about at the, at the time. This project is it's a new project. I'm still in, in the very initial moments with it. Um, so it it. it it, but it, it, it informed the, the, what I was wanting wanting to say about the, the music on, on that track. Well, I extended quite a bit on that, sorry. No, it's good, it's good. The, the, it also, Unfortunately, has an, an amazing video that goes with it as well, um, which presumably is part of the, of the wider dance piece, right? Definitely, yeah. Um, I mean, could you just sort of briefly tell us about the video, what, what happens in it, how the bodies respond to the music yeah well rarely the rarely the dancers follow the music um in in a in a traditional way um so that that is actually something that uh, that guilherme tries to 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 insist he insists a lot on on not having when I'm working on top of the of the of the choreographies, you know, using the, the the dance movements as an inspiration for the music, 
he's always uh, insisting to me that um, that I don't follow the the rhythm of the dancers that I create something else so that, that we can talk more about the internal the internal life of the of the dancers no or, or, or of the dance piece but for this I tried for the video uh, I did go a bit more uh, on the rhythmic side on the trying to bring them a bit closer together so I chose some of the passages that are a bit more that I felt that are more tied to the to to the to the track and there indeed it's uh, it's all the, the the images are taken from from Contremonde, uh, which also the piece the the, the track is is, uh, is from. Um, and I did it all uh, here at, at my studio. It's, it was it was easy because the images are already so beautiful. I just you know inverted some images and did some minor tweakings to them, and, and but the rest is is done by by the dancers and the choreographer. I was interested to, to learn that um, back in the early 90s when you were studying cello, mm. um, you got to compose for modern dance ensembles in Ensenada. Um, right. Did that, mm -hmm. it's very interesting you did that so early on in your career. Did it sort of really influence uh, the new album? Well, I guess it's there somehow. Um, but what, what happened in Ensenada in the 90s is, I mean, it's, it's, Ensenada is a small, well, small for Mexican standards anyway, a city. Now it's grown a lot, but back then it was much smaller and it's smaller, it's still smaller in, in, in mentality. It's, it's like, a, it's a city, but still like a small town mentality. So it was difficult to get your hands, ears and eyes on, 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 on the latest things that was going on in other places within Mexico or United States or the rest of the world. We're talking about the nineties, no? Or before the, well, when the internet just was barely starting. Um, so what was happening is that uh, my wife, Esther, she had a, she was part of a dance company and I used to hang around a lot with them. And I used to do a lot of uh, experiments with them with, with music and with whatever they used to, you know, ask me for, for some musical passages and I used to uh, work a lot with them like that. And then also my wife and I got together and uh, she was my girlfriend back then. We, we um, built a, a choreography from scratch, uh, the, the two of us, um, which we applied for the, for a, uh, it, was, it was part of a, a contest that was held up in, in Tijuana. And so that was, and I was really much involved not only in the music but also in the uh, in the in the movements of, of the dancer. It was it was my wife and another another girl, uh, another friend of ours who was also part of the other company that my wife was part of. And so yeah, there were some you know local experiments that I was doing back then. It was it was uh, quite exciting, and and um, yeah, I guess since then I, I've been really in love with the, with the medium. You know, I haven't always followed it, but uh, 
but now that I'm working with Elias, it's a, it's a nice, uh, it's, it's very nice for me to go back to that, to that sensation of working with the, with the, with the body, with the movements of the body. Yeah. One thing I find very interesting um, about the whole um, recording career and uh, in electronic music particularly, is that you studied piano and, and cello and you studied music theory. Do you think that helps you as an electronic music producer? Because, I mean, you get a, a lot of people who uh, make electronic music, and obviously that's a vast spectrum, a very wide spectrum, but you get a lot of people who make electronic music who, who don't have any, um, any training as, you know, in, in music or, or particular understanding of like classical music theory. Do you think it helps you to know these kind of things? Well, actually, I must clarify, I, my, my knowledge of musical theory is super, super limited. I, I did study some piano when I was very young um, and then some cello, but it was only for a very brief uh, period. Um, I, I wanted to study composition, and, but it wasn't possible for me, given the economic situation of, of my family back then. Um, so I, I, I dived in into electronic music and just other ways of doing, of doing music. Um, I always loved, since I was young, perhaps inspired, no, I'm sure, very much inspired by my, my father's uh, record collection. He used to have a lot of, uh, well, a bit of everything from, from jazz, blues, but also classical music, some, of, some electronic as well. And the, the two styles that really stuck with me are, uh, were electronic and, and classical. And yeah, I did study, study some piano, but I think it was only for one year. And it was very basic, very basic stuff. And then cello for about six months. Um, but I had a really bad teacher. So, or I was already, no, I, I'm sure it was a really bad teacher because she used to change my, my technique every, every time we meet. She was a student herself giving me lessons. So she wasn't sure uh, a bit about uh, the techniques. I'm sure she's great right now, but back then uh, she was not really good. So that really took the fun out of it and I just quit. And I, I had my tools, no? I had my electronic toys back then and I just continued working with them, you know, with hardware, hardware sequencers and hardware samplers and synthesizers and all that stuff back in the 90s, 80s, 80s and 90s. I read somewhere that um, at the time you were listening to electronic music and also pre-1900 classical music during, uh, when you were a teenager. That, that's yeah. a really fascinating mix. I mean, did you um, connect them in your brain or was it sort of two very separate things? Well, I, I used to, I, an album that influenced me quite a lot is uh, it's a blend of, of both. It's, um, it's very similar to Wendy Carlos's switched on back, but it's, it's uh, from a lesser known artist called uh, John Santo. Mm -hmm. John Santo plays back and that record, I played it to, to death. My, my father bought it. I was very young. It was, I think it was 70, uh, 78, 1978, something. It was way back. And I played it to death. I love that record. So there you go. That's the, that's, that's the record. <clears throat> that uses both elements, classical, those, both styles, sorry, classical and electronic. So, yeah. And then also my father having other, other electronic music records and classical records, I, I immediately got curious about 
about both. I mean, I used to listen to anything. My, my father used to play from, from the Beatles, the Carpenters, uh, from, uh, he used to love Bach and uh, Beethoven as well. So he was a big influence. And for me, in my personal taste, I, I, I really uh, stayed with classical music and, and also electronic. So it, it's a natural, for me, it was a, a natural thing to, to explore once I, I got older and I, I knew how to work on the um, electronic music making tools. It was a natural decision, you know, to to go back to those early influences, and yeah, it felt it felt right. So, yeah, Murkov came came in, uh, was born rather. I, th I think that's very interesting because I've got two children, and they do not like listening to the music I listen to. Was there never a moment where you wanted to reject your your dad's record collection and and be like, no, I'm not listening to this. I'm listening to what I, I don't know, heavy <laughs> metal or, or something like that. Well, yeah, there were some things that I didn't like uh, back then when I was very young. For example, blues. My father was a big uh, John Lee Hooker fan. And I just didn't find anything re re relatable with his music when I was, when I was a kid. So not, not all of his records I liked. Also, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, he was a big fan and I didn't really like it back then. But I used to love uh, The Beatles, for sure, and The Carpenters, too. And Super Trump and uh, what else he had? We had a bunch of stuff. The classical music. And maybe not, not all the classical stuff, but Bach for sure. I really like Bach. And then as I grew older, I became curious to, you know, what happened to the classical music of, of this century. And I discovered a whole, you know, I opened Pandora's box when I, when I discovered, you know, all the, all the modern composers from Ligeti to Senakis and all those people, it's just, it just blew my head. I was in my, in my early 20s. And it was difficult music to get your hands on because you know I was living in this small, in this small town in Mexico, pre-internet era. So it, it was a labor of love. You know, I, I, I used to go with my father um, to the United States. I, used, I, used, I also lived in the, in the States when I was younger. But back then in my 20s, when I was exploring contemporary classical music I used to go with my dad that he was working uh, importing stuff from the states back to Mexico I used to go with him he, he dropped me at the University of, of San Diego uh, in the morning and uh, I stay all day there exploring the, the music catalog they, they, they have a big uh, selection of, of contemporary classical music and I just stay all day listening to music there and then in the evening he picked me up and go back home with a lot of music on my head, <laughs> a lot of inspiration. I, I read that Jean-Michel Jarre's Oxygen was your intro oh, yeah. music. Is that or something? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He was, but he he wasn't from my he wasn't an influence that came from my father. He, he was from a, a friend of the family, a neighbor rather, and he was an uncle of a friend of mine, and. Every time I we used to go to, not every time, but often, when I used to go to my friend's house, he had a few times, I, he had the record playing and, and I always say, oh, well, this music is so, so, so cool. And that was in the early 80s. I was maybe like 12 years. And uh, one day he surprised me and he gave me the, the Oxygen uh, cassette. Wow. And I used to play it. I was super, super happy. And I used to play it on my, on my cars my mom's car uh, cassette player. Uh, when, when we came back from school, I just stay in the car 
roll up the windows and put the cassette and hear it maybe one or two times. Uh, yeah, it was a big, big influence. And after that, I discovered all the other electronic acts of, of the time, no? like uh, Kraftwerk and uh, Tangerine Dream, and Klaus Schulz at a later stage. But uh, yeah, Michel Jarre was, a, especially that album, Oxygen and also Equinox, were a big, big influence as well. Did you see Jean-Michel Jarre when he played Sonar a few years ago? No, I haven't ever, I've never seen him live. I never met him either. That's a shame. Yeah, did you? I did, I did. Um, he, he, it's interesting because I, I obviously recognise what a very big artist he, he is and very important, but he's not necessarily someone I, I've listened to a great deal. Um, and I, I enjoyed the show, but I, I think if I had, you know, I'm sure someone like you would have enjoyed it a great deal more you know, just because of the, the sort of history of it. But no, it was, a very, it was a very good show. It was very interesting to see him in Sonar as well. You know, mm -hmm. have him and yeah, one, sure. you know, a big DJ in, in, in the next. Yeah, well, I didn't follow his his uh, his releases after after Equinox and also Oxygen. I stayed with those two. So I remember listening to other uh, newer material and I wasn't really into it. I, 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 I don't know, I just stay with, with those two albums. Um, I, I don't. I don't say that he's not uh, doing a good job with what he does, but uh, for me, yeah, Michel Yar is Oxygen and Equinox. That's, that's the music I stay with. But you know, I'm nostalgic, so who cares? <laughs> we all are now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you, you've, um, you seem to like so much interesting and different music. Is there one thing that you can identify that you look for in music? Like one particular aspect that, that, you, that you look for in music? In music making, yeah? In, in music when you're listening to it. Okay. Well, yeah, um, it's always, um, well, um, as long as it's done with, uh, with honesty and with, um, with uh with a sense of exploration i mean there's good good music in all kinds of uh, all styles of music it it can be something very traditional you know something very it can be country music it can be ethnic music classical whatever but you know i guess it it's those personal tastes are dictated by the history of of, of every every person so it's hard to pinpoint what it is, but uh, uh, I guess just uh, yeah, like I said, honesty. You can kind of sense the when the when sense when the artist is honest with with himself. You know that he's making the music that he loves or she loves, whatever, um, or whoever. Um, yeah, I guess that's the that's the basic thing. Um, and, and for my, in my case, I always try to think, well, not always, but um, um, to fill a gap that I feel is missing in the, in the music industry, something that I haven't heard before. I try to create that. Um, you know, to, yeah. Talking, of, talking of things we haven't, we haven't heard before, um, your album, The Versailles Sessions, is mm -hmm. a really unique album. It's one of my favorite electronic albums. Um, and also I find it genuinely pretty terrifying. Um, 
how did how did that come about? There's quite an interesting story behind it, isn't there? Yeah, that was well. Thanks very much. First, I, I really appreciate you. You like the album. It was a it was a commission. It was a commission to work on um, for a festival, uh, the Great Waters. I, I I I wouldn't dare try to pronounce it in, in French. It's so difficult, but it's basically the the Great Waters, something like that. That I don't know if it's still going on, but it it, it uh, used to happen every summer at the uh, Versailles uh, castle. And they commissioned me to, to make the music for one of the, one of the gardens in, in, in multi-channel. So yeah, for this situation, uh, we got together and we, you know, we did a, a long brainstorming session talking about what, what, what could we do. And so at the end, we decided uh, together that we're gonna work on on music of the era of, of Louis XIV. So we looked into the uh, composers that were close to, to the royal family back then and ended up with all these composers like Couperin and uh, Lully and uh, a bunch of others. Some others that are not related directly to, to, to the royal family back then of Louis XIV, but uh, were of the era. And uh, for this, um, the uh, the the people who who commissioned me hired um, uh, uh, an ensemble of young musicians specialized in in baroque music, and with the but but with also with the um, uh, there were young musicians also curious about electronic music, so they were pretty uh, quite open about the idea of uh, of transforming the. The, uh, the score, which was, which was something that we wanted to do to transform the, the, the score and to experiment with the instruments themselves, you know, to get some interesting textures out of them. Not only play the, uh, the, the score as, as it was written, but also, you know, play around with it, have some fun. And it's some, it can be difficult in the classical world to, to do that, you know? Some people, some musicians that are always in the classical world are, can, can be, not always, but they can be a bit... Uh, um, uh, it can be complicated for them to let to let to let loose you know, and, and experiment with, with the music. So it was a lot of fun. We did I think two sessions in Paris with them. Uh, we we did many things with the score. We we played at normal tempo and then ten times slower and then we threw stuff inside the harpsichord and just prepared the harpsichord with whatever we had at hand and then just fool around with the with the with the instruments and and it was it, there was a, there's a lot of material that came out of that of those two sessions and actually the first things the first material i produced from those recording sessions which i took back you know i brought back to my with with me to my studio and, and worked with them by myself the first compositions um i had uh, maybe like 20 minutes of music and i, and I I went to Paris when I when I had these twenty minutes twenty minutes of music. I went to Paris to to try it out to try it out at the at the space in Versailles at the garden that was assigned to to us. Then um, it didn't work. It was it was something missing. So I reworked the whole album. I think also in one or two weeks. It was insane, but it was really 
you, you I was really in the zone like like they say you know I it once I was there and I and I could and I could really understand what the relation between the sound and the, and the space I I got a better idea of what the possibilities were so I came back home and I worked uh, almost day and night until I finished two weeks exactly for precisely for the uh, just in time rather just in time for the for the premiere so it was it was fun it was exciting fun stressful and at the end it was it was a happy ending I'm still pretty proud of of, of, of that album do, do many other people find it terrifying I'm not sure why I do but there's something so <laughs> I don't know man you have to ask yourself what what's going on <laughs> no I don't know it's it's of of course there's some there's some really um, cacophonic sounds and uh, how do you say stridente like harsh yeah. sounds yeah. and uh, it can be I understand what you say that for me it's exciting not not terrifying terrifying but I can understand how it, it can be felt as terrifying for sure yeah maybe it has some influences from from Pendereski or people you know composers like this who make really really terrifying music uh, because uh, he's also a, a big, big influence. But uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's, you know, music can be more of a mirror than, than anything else where each, each one sees, sings himself or self uh, project, uh, reflected. But yeah, there's something that are, are in there for, for, for sure. Those, uh, those harsh sounds are there. Um, um, yeah. And some atonal and, um, uh, dissonances and but I don't I don't like to stay always in the dissonance I always you know like to come back to to something harmonic and, and melodic so I hope there's a I don't I don't actually remember which which one is the last track but I think it's a the one that is more upbeat you know to end up yeah. with an upbeat sensation well anyway each, uh, each each listener has his own stories and it's always interesting to for me as a musician, to to know how how people perceive the the music I make. So I, I basically I need to ask myself why I'm so terrified of I. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Ben. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one one very last thing I wanted wanted to to ask about is um I read that you were commissioned to remix Miles Davis. Did that happen in the end? Oh, yeah, well, I can't hardly remember how that happened. Yeah, you cut me off guard right there because oh, it was okay. such a long time ago. And I don't think it officially came out. I don't I don't even know. I don't remember. I, I, I would have to 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 search on the Internet. I, I, I couldn't remember. Find I did it. work on it and I did something, but uh, I can't remember what happened to it and how it came about such a long time. I'm sorry for the people who invited me but I just can't remember. Do you remember like being intimidated by working on it in any way? I mean just because Miles Davis is such a a giant of sort of, of music I would feel. I no no not really I felt excited for, for the challenge and you know you know with what I felt a bit terrified with uh, working with Vanessa with Vanessa Wagner on the uh, on the Statea album where we we worked pieces by Arvo Part and Philip Glass and all these composers that are you know superstar composers and then I, I felt a little bit 
at the beginning not it was exciting but then as the album date approached i said oh my god i'm, I'm playing with museum pieces in in a way so okay let's i just hope it's it's interesting for the listener who is familiar with these works i'm sure many people there, there are, there's surely many people who hadn't heard those pieces before and it's the first time they hear it and, and for them it's like that with the electronics inside but people who are familiar with the with the with the work of these composers and it's uh <laughs> it, it can be complicated you know, to to really make something um something interesting out of something that is already so well done and beautiful and you know incomplete that i i felt terrified at times not 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 completely not not all the time it's more excitement than than, than terrified but a little bit for Miles Davis, no, it, it was it was more like uh, more more exciting than anything else. RPS powered by Seth. <laughs> 